Our teaching for today comes from Luke 24, 13 through 35, as read by Melissa. This is one of Jesus's post-resurrection appearances to his followers. I listed on the online bulletin some of the other appearances. I'll say them now. John 20 and 21, Matthew 28, Luke 23, Mark 16, among some others. I would love for you to take time to read them and see the many ways that Jesus appeared to his followers after his resurrection, and to see the many ways that Jesus meets us here in our hesitations and doubts, in our concerns, our needs and longings, in our faith, and to see how the Lord may be reaching out to you today. Our passage can be broken up into four sections. First, there is the meeting between Jesus, who is a stranger, to the two on the road to Emmaus. The second part is their conversation with one another. In the third, they break bread together in their home. And the fourth is when these two followers share their good news with the other disciples. Now, Luke is a good reporter, we know. In chapter one, he gave us his credentials. I have carefully investigated everything from the beginning to write an orderly account for you so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Luke wants us to know he is trustworthy, meticulous, faithful. He grounds us in the realness of this story with specifics about time, place, the names of people, distance between two cities, and a lengthy dialogue. And we feel like we could be walking alongside with Jesus on the dusty road or sitting across the table from him in the breaking of bread. This who, what, where, when, and how are staples of a reporter's work, and they build on Luke's reliability. The when and the where and the who are answered in the very first verse. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, which was just seven miles from Jerusalem. Now that same day, this is the very day of Easter, Easter afternoon, in fact, just hours after Jesus rose from the dead and the women found the empty tomb. Two of them. This implies that although they may not be part of the 11, they are included in the extended group of followers of Jesus, and one of them is even named while his companion is not. They're probably related, a father and a son, maybe a husband and wife, for together they later invite Jesus into their home for a meal. Being two of the larger group of disciples, we can imagine that they witnessed firsthand Jesus' healings. They listened in person to his teachings. Perhaps they were there with the other followers at the Sermon on the Mount. The where is Emmaus, a small village in the shadow of Jerusalem. Just seven miles away, the path between their home and the great city is easily enough walked because they returned there later that evening. They were walking with each other and talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. They meet Jesus on the road as if meeting a stranger. We see God's divine action here. God kept them from recognizing Jesus. They cannot see Jesus in his resurrection until they understand why he came to earth and why he came to die. It is Jesus' suffering and death that they cannot come to terms with. 
but God's divine intervention allows them to be retaught, for Jesus to show them the necessity of his death as the fulfillment of scripture. The what and the how come next, and they're the most significant of Luke's reporting details here. We move into the second part of this passage, the conversation. It's actually not so much a conversation as the travelers give their version of the recent events, and then Jesus teaches them the truth of what has happened. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? These two travelers are deep in thought. Their grief and disbelief are fresh. Disappointment and sadness are like a veil over their eyes. They cannot see what is right in front of them. They cannot see that the one they long for, the one they followed, the one they are talking about, is walking right beside them. How could this have happened is all they think. Their expectation of Jesus has not been met. They assume that Jesus is the only one in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened in these days. But in fact, they are the ignorant ones. How often do we miss the gift of Jesus right beside us? We sang a hymn as our postlude on Easter Sunday called, He Lives. Perhaps this is a well-loved hymn to you or perhaps brand new. Either way, consider these lyrics. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow ways. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. The hymn writer did recognize Jesus, the one hoped for, longed for. And we too, in singing this song and others like it, proclaim that we know Jesus. Jesus is risen. He's here with us today. So Jesus asks these companions, what things? Of course he knows the things that have happened. As Jesus so often does, he draws people out, asking questions, engaging them in conversation, and establishing fellowship with these two broken-hearted people. Jesus could immediately say to them, hey, I am Jesus. I am the one you are looking for. I have risen. And they would have no doubt celebrated his return and been so relieved. But Jesus knows that they would not have been able to rejoice with him for long. They would not have been able to reconcile their expectation of him with the reality of him. They would not have been able to rejoice in his resurrection if they could not come to terms with the necessity of his death. Jesus needed to go back through the scripture and redeem their understanding. They say to him, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. They cannot hide their disappointment. They had hoped that Jesus was the one to redeem Israel, had hoped. It is the saddest admission in this passage, the death of hope. It's almost unbearable. 
When Jesus died, their hope for Israel and for themselves died too. Jesus did in fact redeem Israel, but not in the finite way they imagined. In Christ's suffering and death, their hope is realized. The work of their Messiah is small and it's contained. By his death, Jesus has flung hope far and wide. By his death and resurrection, he has overcome hopelessness, despair, brokenness, suffering, and death for the whole world and for all generations to come. Jesus said to them, How foolish are you? How slow of heart. Jesus rebukes them for not trusting the prophets and for not understanding all that he taught them. Earlier in Luke 4.18, Jesus proclaimed, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, proclaim freedom to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and to set the oppressed free. In his death, all of this is accomplished. These disciples did not understand the truth of God's word, that Jesus' suffering was part of the plan all along. God keeps them from seeing Jesus until they can learn again. Jesus' rebuke of them will become the revelation of him. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things? This is the hinge of the passage, the significant turning point. They know their scripture. They recognize Jesus as a powerful prophet. They are devout in many ways, but they missed the part of his necessary suffering. All scripture points to Jesus. Jesus cannot reveal himself as their risen Savior until he takes them back to the beginning of Scripture to, to reteach them all that Moses said and all the prophets to show there is continuity in God's plan for all humanity. The prophets of the Old Testament speak of the Messiah to come, and Jesus is the fulfillment of these prophecies. Isaiah 53, he was despised and rejected by men a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. We sing and speak these prophecies during Holy Week. And here we are on the other side of Easter, and now we see these verses are fulfilled in Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. Through Christ's suffering, God's will for our salvation is accomplished without the cross. Jesus cannot once and for all vanquish death. This is the everlasting hope we seek, victory over death. Now, when Jesus says, did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? When he says, then entered his glory, Jesus is proclaiming that he is alive and reigning with God, reigning alongside God. His glory is his authority and his majesty. 
Now, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. This is the third part. The revelation of Jesus in the breaking of bread. At the table, they defer to Jesus, though a stranger to them. He is one who has established his authority and his knowledge. Breaking bread, offering a blessing, and sharing it with them, Jesus reveals himself in liturgy, worship, and community. Their eyes are opened and they recognize him. Again, God's divine action. They cannot open their eyes on their own ability and their own understanding. God opens their eyes and they see at last their risen Lord right in front of them. Likewise, each time our church shares in the breaking of bread together, Jesus is made known to us. We see him for who he is, his body broken that our broken lives and our broken world are made whole again. The fourth section, the telling of their good news to the disciples. Were not our hearts burning within us while he spoke to us along the way and while he opened the scriptures to us? Wasn't the Holy Spirit moving in us stirring our hearts and opening our eyes and ears while Jesus taught us and ate with us. Jesus reveals himself to them through scripture and in the breaking of bread. And once these followers finally recognize Jesus, they understand their role in heralding the gospel and make quick time back to Jerusalem to find the disciples and tell them this good news about Jesus. As they come to the disciples to share their story, they discover they are coming on the heels of Peter telling about his encounter with the risen Lord. You saw Jesus? Not at the tomb, but on the road and then in your home? Jesus broke bread with you? Jesus was personally ministering to the pair from Emmaus while he was ministering to Peter at the tomb. Their encounter with the risen Jesus begins as a meeting with a stranger. Jesus is unrecognizable to them, and all that he can offer them in and through his resurrection is beyond their imaginings. This stranger who walked beside them, he could not be the Christ. He is not what they are expecting. He is not what they understood him to be. Jesus shows them that the word of God is alive. It breathes life into us and allows us to move forward in our witness. These disciples did not understand the truth of God's word and therefore their eyes are kept from recognizing Jesus. Jesus then reveals himself in scripture, in proclamation, and in fellowship. They got up and returned once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them 
when he broke bread. These layers of eyewitness narratives all from the day of Easter. The, woman, the women at the tomb who are not initially believed by the disciples. The pair on the road to Emmaus not recognizing Jesus. And Peter running to the tomb so he can see Jesus for himself. These are the testimonies of God's presence, provision, and faithfulness that shape and nurture us and our church today just as they shaped and nurtured those early Christians. This is our hope and our assurance. Jesus is present with us, each one of us, even when we cannot see him or when we do not recognize him. No one has to wait their turn with Jesus. He is alive, dear friends. He is alive today, and he is, he is here for us, and he is with us always. Let us pray. Dear Holy God, we pray to you. Open our ears and eyes today, Lord, that we may have the wisdom and the courage to bring the gospel, the hope that we have been given in Jesus Christ, our risen Lord and Savior. Bring this good news to a broken, hurting, lost, and waiting world. In Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.